The Old Testament reading is in Exodus 16:2 to 15. <clears throat> and the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full? For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. On the sixth day, when they prepare what they bring in, it will be twice as much as they gather daily. <clears throat> so Moses and Aaron said to all the people of Israel, At evening you shall know that it was the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord, because he has heard your grumbling against the Lord. For what are we that you grumble against us? And Moses said, When the Lord gives you in the evening meat to eat, and in the morning bread to be full, because the Lord has heard your grumbling that you grumble against him, what are we? Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. Then Moses said to Aaron, Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. And as soon as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp. And when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is this? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread that the Lord has given to you to eat. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle lesson is in Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. This is Paul talking. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of patience, <clears throat> the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to be the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God <clears throat> and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He was descended, is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, 
that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Please rise for the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. The gospel is also the text for the sermon today. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not labor for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. And they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, Give us this bread always. Jesus said to him, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the gospel of our Lord. And I'd invite the kids that are here today that aren't afraid of me because I'm a stranger to come on up. I want to talk to you about something. So boys and girls, come on up here. Let's talk about some stuff. Well, good morning. Thank you. One of you said good morning. Let's try it again. Good morning. Oh, that's much better. Thank you. So, <laughs> I want to talk to you today about food. Are any of you hungry? Huh? Anybody hungry? Huh? You're hungry. I'm hungry too. You know what? So, we had in the Bible lessons that were read, uh, we had uh, Jesus talking about food, and I'm going to talk about it to mom and dad in the sermon. But I want to talk to you about food. Well, sort of. So, I was hungry this week, okay? And... Uh, I thought, boy, I think I'm going to stop and just have, a, have something quick to eat. 
So I did, and this is where I went. Where did I go? McDonald's. Now, there's no word on that, right? How did you know that that was McDonald's? All you see are, huh? Because of the logo, which are the golden arches, right? Well, we used to say golden arches. Uh, somebody, my grandson said, no, that's the golden french fries, but I don't know if that's a golden french fries. The, the golden ar- So remember that word. That's the logo. So you just saw this. You can go anywhere, most anywhere in the world, and if you see these, even if there's a word and it isn't in, in English, our language, you'll know McDonald's. Okay, so I stopped at McDonald's and I had a hamburger and then I was thirsty. So I had a drink of this. What did I have? Coca-Cola. Now once again, you can see there are no words on that bottle. How did you know that was Coca-Cola? The shape of the bottle, right? Coca-Cola has had that bottle, that shape, even when they have it on cans, they have that shape on it because that's kind of their logo too. That shape of that unique shape of that bottle says, oh, it's Coke. So here we have this logo, which is McDonald's, no words. Here we have this one, which says Coke, no words. And we just know, we just know, because that's what McDonald's looks like, and that's what Coca-Cola looks like, right? What's a Christian look like? What's a Christian look like? Huh? Like they take the, the word from God, did you say? I couldn't hear you. They believe in God, and because they believe in God, because we believe in Jesus as our Savior, how do we live? If you see somebody who's sad, what do we do? We try to make them happy. If we see somebody who's hungry, we try to give them food to eat. That's right. If we see somebody who's, got, who's sick and got a heavy, heavy burden to bear, we try to help them get what? Better, that's right. That's what Christians look like. So sometimes we can, we can show people that we're Christians by what we say. You know, Jesus loves you and we can talk about Jesus. But sometimes, sometimes we're like these things. We just got to look like Jesus. We've just got to look like Jesus. So even without words, people know that we're Christians. I hope we can do that. We had, in one of the lessons today, the Bible was talking about that, about about somebody's got some good food there. One of the lessons was talking about that. This is what Christians look like. So this is what McDonald's looks like. This is what Coke looks like. But you and I look like Jesus because we love others and care about others and we share them. Okay, before you go back, I always do this wherever I go. I like to say to, to, uh, to the kids the thing that's the most important thing you'll hear in church, and that is that Jesus loves you. So I'm going to say that to you. But I need to hear that too. So will you do me a favor? When I say to you, Jesus loves you, will you say that back to me? And let's say it like it's really good news because it is. So Jesus loves you. You got it. Well said. Okay, you can head on back to your seats and we'll sing the next hymn. Please be seated. Would you pray with me for just a moment, please? God, we gather now to consider the words we've heard. May your word be the bread of life to us as we think of it 
and as it gives us life. Through our Savior, Jesus. Amen. It's kind of interesting, the background to the lesson that was read as the gospel lesson. Jesus has been with, uh, with the people, and the disciples said they're really hungry. So you remember the story. Jesus feeds this large group of people <coughs> from just uh, a few fish and loaves of bread. Well, the people say, that's our kind of king. We want that kind of king that's going to feed our bellies, that's going to give us food. So they follow him, and they talk to him about, where you been, and can you feed us with some food like God did in the Old Testament when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, and he fed them with manna and with quail. Well, Jesus flips the subject, keeps the word, flips the subject, and says, yeah, let's talk about food, but not the kind that fills the belly here. Let's talk about the food that gives us life. Now, whenever you talk about food, the truth is that there are two kinds of food. Take the food that fills our belly. We, we know that there is food that, that fills the belly, but it also gives nutrition to all the organs and functions of the human body. We know that. We also know that there's what we call junk food, the kind of food that fills our belly, but it doesn't do much for life within us. I'm told by my doctor that I need approximately 2,800 calories in order to live the life that I live and to stay healthy. But my doc goes on to say, be careful how you get those 2,800 calories because some of that stuff isn't going to give you calories but not nutrition. I can go to that fast food place that I talked about with the kids <coughs> and I can within one meal get half of the 2,800 calories that uh, I'm told by my doc I need but I will only get one-eighth of the nutrition that my body needs. Unfortunately, I will get two-thirds of the salt that my body needs, and yet in those half calories, very little, we call that junk food because very little of what feeds this body that needs nutrition. Now let's shift with Jesus to the other kind of food the kind of food that gives us not the ability to be alive, but that gives us life. You see, there is a vast difference between living, breathing air, and carrying out all the chemical processes of the body, and life, and living the worthwhile life. Jesus is more interested in talking about that. But there again, <coughs> there are two kinds of advice about living. There are those that would say to you, if you really want to live, if you want to have the full life, then you've got to find the real thing. And the real thing is not what comes from out of you, but what you can add to it. So the world offers us for living all kinds of things that we add to our life to find it. There are those who add alcohol, those who, my goodness, in our generation add so much with drugs. We read of it constantly in the news, the, the opioid addiction that's going on in our nation and destroying not just youth, but destroying an awful lot of people. There are the additives that we add to life that give us enjoyment, 
and become obsessions. There are people who like recreation, a good thing, but obsess in it so that the other things of life fall by the wayside. Their relationships, their priorities get all messed up. So it's the real thing, somebody would say. If you really want to live, you need this for a high or joy or whatever. But the truth is, like the junk food, it adds something, but not necessarily something that we need. In the 1970s in this country, we went through what was called the sexual revolution, where we were told, and our young people were told, that it's time for freedom now, that the old fuddy-duddies and the old things out of the past that held us down, they were just holding us down so we couldn't enjoy what God created. And so the sexual revolution came, and it added a freedom, but it also added an obsession with pornography. It also added in, into young people and others an obsession with sex that has led to not so many good things. Are we better off because we've had the freedom? There are those who say if you really want the full life, you need the food called money. That will do it. It's the real thing. It will give you security. It will give you joy. How much? When have we had enough that we can say we're secure now? And if I have a whole lot of it, can I be absolutely certain I'm not going to die tomorrow? Can I be absolutely certain that the people I love the most won't leave me? Or that they won't experience tragedy? How much? And, and how secure is my money? It's some numbers on a sheet of paper. Does that mean anything? Can anybody take it away? Can the economy suddenly crash and it all goes away? How much security? It's food for life, we're told. But does it give life? Is your life better, more enjoyable, more fulfilled, more godly, more a blessing to others or mine? If we have all that stuff, there's a story out of the Old Testament, this incredible story. It's about the twin brothers Jacob and Esau. So because Esau was born first, a few seconds earlier than his brother, he gets the birthright. He's the older son. He's a hunter, and he goes out in the field hunting. His brother, Jacob, is more the kind of mama's boy. He's more, at least more domestic. He's the cook, and he's more domestic while his brother's out hunting. So his brother comes home one day, and he says, Jacob, or Esau says to Jacob, I'm starving, I'm really hungry. And uh, Jacob says, well, I got, a, I got something here for you that'll take care of that. I got some soup. It's actually a lentil kind of soup. He says, I've got some lentil soup here. It'll fill you. But, he says, in order to have my lentil soup, you've got to give me your birthright. What a deal. 
and he goes for it. Because he says, if my belly's not full, I'm going to die anyway, so I'm going to lose my birthright anyway, so here you can have my birthright, give me the soup. What a deal, huh? Too often you and I have fallen for all that nonsense, that there's something that's really going to give you life beyond what Jesus offers. Whether it's the additives, whether it's the money, whether it's the freedom to do anything you want to do, we often fall for it, don't we? Whether it's that we work so hard to have stuff and end up losing people, we fall for it, don't we? Or whether it's that we make foolish choices because it's choices for the moment, and in that choice, what we think will give us life for the moment robs us of self-respect, robs us of people, robs us of family, and often robs us of Jesus. We went for the wrong food. We went for the wrong food, and it didn't give us life. If I could sidetrack for just a moment, What's true of you and of me as individuals is also true of churches. Also true of churches. Now, I believe in the local parish. I believe Jesus created the idea. I believe it's the thing that sustains us in our faith, our journey, our walk. I believe it's critical to be part of a worshiping community where we are fed by word and by sacrament. I'm all for it. But there are churches that have fallen for the wrong stuff, too for what wasn't food, for what didn't give it life. There are churches that, that began to believe that what was really important was that we're a happy fellowship group. And I'm all for that. But Jesus began the church by saying, go and make disciples, teaching and baptizing. That the heart and soul of the church is reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And fellowship's great and it's important, and it's important to bring them into that fellowship. But it doesn't begin with the fellowship. It begins with the outreach. We've got countless churches that get smaller and smaller and smaller and people don't care because they're with the people they love. But they're not in the mission that Christ gave them. It's important for churches to have things that are that are important to them, that, that give them history, that give them values from the past. It's important, but our traditions can weigh us down so that we no longer can reach people. We have countless churches that have small groups of people that love what they're doing and nobody else even knows what they're doing or cares. Jesus did not come to make church members, and I'm all for church membership. He came to make disciples of people who would live their lives in the Christ-like way so that people would see Jesus in them. It's like we said to the kids, how did you know it was McDonald's? Well, you saw the logo, it just says McDonald's. How did you know they were Christians? Not by saying what church they belonged to, but how they treated others and how they shared the gospel. And I'm all for the local church. We need to do that. We need to understand that it's time for real food for the food in your life and mine that, feels, that feeds not just our bodies, 
but gives us life. Gives us life. In the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, God lays out the, uh, the, the commandments that, that define the covenant of his people. And when he's all done, he says to the children of Israel, now you have a choice. I have given you the things that give you as a nation and you as a people life. But there's all kinds of other stuff out there too. And he has this very simple comment. He says, choose life. Choose life. Every day, you and I make a decision of what we'll eat. Choose the right food, your doc would say. Every decision, every day, you and I have to make a decision about whether we will truly choose life and live it as our precious Savior taught us. Choose life, the real food, Jesus' food, the food of heaven that we'll receive from the altar, the food of God's word that will be fed to us. Choose life in how you hear it and how you live it. I can live, I'm told, 40 days if I have no food. I'm told I can live three days if I have no water. And I'm told I can only live for a few minutes if I do not have oxygen. But as a Christian, I know I cannot live at all without God's Word and the presence of Jesus in my life. So the food. Choose the food that truly gives us life. 